Welcome everybody, my name is Corey Allen and this of course is the Overton Report. Catch us every Monday on BigPatriotRadio.com at 6 p.m. And you can also catch these shows a couple of days after that on the OvertonReport.substack.com. Definitely go there and get a subscription. This is uh, an interesting week. We've got a lot of pretty cool things coming up. The South Carolina GOP reorg is happening in just a few days. A very contentious race. We're very excited to see how that turns out. There's been some last-minute shockers that have come out over the past few days leading up to the race. We'll touch on that briefly towards the end of the program. But first, I want to talk about something that is kind of a follow-up. This is kind of a follow-up on, on an issue that we worked on during this past school year in the upstate of South Carolina and Pickens County. So the ACLU, the wonderful ACLU, a an extremist group, really terrible people, just all around terrible people. Uh, some of the people who are fighting the most adamantly against pro-American values, uh, American ideology, and in favor of just the most disgusting, anti-American, cultural Marxism-based philosophies. And they do it in court, so it really has caused... uh, They're one of the most effective when it comes to pushing leftist agenda uh, and making it the law of the land. Well, they have filed a lawsuit against the school district of Pickens County. Now, why have they done this, you might ask? Uh, And that's actually what I'm here to tell you about. The lawsuit stems from the board members of the school district deciding to remove the embarrassingly inaccurate and vehemently racist book stamped by Ibram X. Kendi from being assigned in their schools. So you might remember this past school year uh, that I, along with other members of the Overton group and, uh, and some very concerned parents, were at the forefront uh, fighting to remove the book stamped from schools in Pickens. So it turned out that uh, the book had been assigned to a class of students. Okay. Uh, And when we found this out, you know, stamped, if you haven't read it, you really should Uh, stamped racism, anti-racism and you Uh, Ibram Kendi, of course, is, uh, is, is famously a member of critical race theory uh, and that, that entire school of thought, absurd as it, as it is, he, uh, in another one of his books, he, he says that the only remedy to past discrimination is, is present discrimination. Um, so he's for discriminating against the people that he deems to be oppressors, which in his, all of his ramblings and writings basically comes down to white people. So super racist guy. And he has his books. He's got stamped for kids. So they try to get, get kids into this racist ideology very early on. 
So this book was assigned to a classroom of students, despite its myriad falsehoods and attempts at dividing these children along the lines of race, which is an immutable characteristic and something that nobody has any control over. I'm going to go ahead and play for you a little piece of our show, one of our shows that we did on this subject back then when it was happening, just so you get a better idea for what this book is and and what happened. I did not fully realize that the only thing extraordinary about white people is that they, they being white people, think that something is extraordinary about white people. Ibram Kendi himself is on record stating that white people are actually not humans, they're actually aliens. He's, he's on record himself, published in How to Be an Anti-Racist, his other work of complete fiction, that the only way to remedy past discrimination is with present discrimination, and the only way to stamp out present discrimination is with future discrimination. So what is his remedy to perceived slights against people who have the same skin tone as him? Being prejudiced and discriminating against people who do not have the same skin tone as him. It's not really a matter of content of character so much as it is uh, collectivist guilt collectivist ideology, uh, collectivist revenge, collectivist payback. Those are the things that Ibram Kendi wholeheartedly believes in. And those are the things that Pickens County English teachers believe that your children should be taught. And this is not just Pickens County. Thank God we have some parents willing to stand up in Pickens County, but this is all over South Carolina. As I have told you for two years, I've told you about this. Not just me, of course not just me. So many of us, so many of us, but the inaction, the fear of action, the fear of action by conservatives has led us to this point where we are trying to make the case that this book, this book that the author himself claims is a perfect introduction to CRT, we're having to argue that it is actually CRT. And we're having vice principals, teachers, administrators, school board members, superintendents tell us we're crazy still. And so after this, uh, after we broke the story of this book being in the Pickens uh, School District and being assigned, the, uh, the school administrators, the teacher, and the news media called us liars, said that's a, that's a lie, it was never assigned, it was a book that just one person chose to read and brought it in themselves, just, we, we were, we were liars, we're, we're, Racist bigots who are lying to get people hyped up. But there was only one problem with their report on that. Um, We came back with actual photographs of the assignment. The questions that they were asking. And uh, 
and a photograph of where it was on the agenda of here you're going to all be assigned this book to read. So so that was their first thing, right? To to say, oh, it's not happening. It's not even it's not even in the schools. So we're still waiting on Fox Carolina to correct their statements claiming that the book wasn't assigned, gaslighting the parents of the district and yours truly, um, questioning the veracity of my report. That was very, very frustrating for me. Uh, and it's very frustrating that even upon being given proof that they never changed their, their story. They never corrected themselves. They never apologized. Sure as hell never apologized for it. Well, with that being said, so in, in Fox Carolina's reality, the book was never assigned. So it should be a non-issue, which is why it's kind of confusing to me that they're publishing stories about the ACLU filing a lawsuit to try and get the book back in the schools. Because according to them, it was never in it in the schools in the first place. So that's kind of weird to me. The next step after this, after we proved that it wasn't, in fact, in the schools, uh, was what most school districts do. Uh, they set up a, a, a review committee. Now, this review committee was made up of leftist activists, of course, uh, and they recommended to the school board that the book stamped remain in school. Those recommendations go to the school board, who has final authority on which books remain uh, or are taken out once they've been challenged. So after a lot of pushback and evidence of the lack of literary value in the propaganda piece that is stamped, the school board decided to remove the book, despite the recommendation from the liberal activists disguised as teachers and librarians who were on the review committee. So we won. We won that fight. And this, of course, was followed by the ACLU uh, members, local members up there, uh, in the Greenville and Pickens area and various BLM groups and, and activists screaming about book banning and Nazis and blah, blah, blah. But that's all to be expected, right? And I find it ironic because these are the same people who tear down statues and rewrite actual history using books like Stamped to do it in attempts to hide reality from American citizens and children replacing it with books like Stamped that make claims like the Salem Witch Trials were a result of racism and white supremacy. No, really, it's in the book. That's not a joke. And you know, I always say to these leftists, this is, this is the thing with this, they call it book banning, but obviously it's, it's not book banning. I always say to these leftists who make the demonstrably false and absurd claim that we want to ban books, I just say, show me a single library that isn't curated. Like, curator is literally in the job description for librarians. Curators of museums, curators of, of libraries, you have to choose. There's only a limited amount of space. There's only a limited amount of time of the day, especially when you're talking about school libraries. There's only, there's only so many books that you can have in there. So, show me a single library that doesn't have people making the decision on what to put in it and what not to. It doesn't exist. And school libraries especially, this whole thing is just so disingenuous. It doesn't make any sense at all. Stamped is one of the books that, that preaches a political ideology, which shouldn't be in school. 
a false ideology at that, based in division and hatred and revision of historical truths. So to anybody acting in good faith, it's obvious why that book shouldn't be used to teach, quote, teach children. At least it should be obvious. But when it comes down to it, the majority of the books that that we on the side of sanity uh, are talking about keeping out of 11 year the hands of 11 year olds well they're 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 just they're filled with explicit graphic sex scenes rape uh, drug use just real degenerate stuff and illustrations of it at that right and just like you don't have a penthouse magazine in a third grade classroom hopefully then again Leftist activists, you really can't put anything past them at this point, can you? But just like you don't have penthouse in those third grade classrooms, these books are the exact same thing. And and what's written in them, you can't even read out loud during school board meetings in front of adults. The school boards in these districts that that allow these types of books to, to be in their school libraries and in their classrooms... Books like All Boys Aren't Blue, uh, Gender Queer, and others like that, well, they will literally cut your microphone off and kick you out if you try to read passages from those books. Even when it, when the entire room is filled with nothing but adults. The board members who allow these books in the schools, who that, that allow these books to be taught to 11-year-olds and 8-year-olds, It's too racy for them to hear. They can't even hear it read out loud. But those same people who won't let you prove your point call you a bigot and a book-burning Nazi for asking them to apply that same standard of logic to 12-year-olds in the 6th grade. It's nuts. It's insane. But... What's really weird about it is like only one of those two things is an actual example of censorship, right? So asking for genderqueer and all boys aren't blue and and these extremely graphic books, asking for them to not be handed out or available to 11, 10 and 11 and 12 year olds at a public school or in a classroom That's not book banning and that's not censorship because the books still exist. Nobody's burning them. Nobody's trying to take away anybody's right to go and purchase them. If you're the type of parent that wants to, you know, get your kid involved in that type of graphic, gross stuff, I mean, do you, I guess, you know, we can, we have a name for people like that, groomer, but saying that it shouldn't be. That, that that these kids shouldn't be groomed using this material in school and it shouldn't just be there for an 11-year-old to check out and read and be traumatized by that's not censorship but but cutting the microphone of an adult trying to tell other adults why the book shouldn't be allowed in those schools that is censorship you're not allowing them to make their point so that's legitimate censorship and this is what the left does always with so many things they make some broad statement or accusation like you're a book banning nazi bigot then they stop you from showing the examples 
that you have a problem with. They shut down your ability to make your argument while calling you every name in the book. No pun intended. A little intended. And they do this with all their arguments. You see this to, to, to one extent with abortion, for example. Uh, they say you want to control women's bodies if you're in favor of allowing a baby to live. Right? You're a misogynist. You hate women. They, they, they argue that it's not a baby. It's just a parasite. But then they fight tooth and nail against, against allowing potential mothers who are considering abortion to see ultrasounds of that parasite. Why? Because then you'll see that it's a baby. And then you might think twice. You see this with trans ideology, especially right now. You're a bigot and a transphobe and whatever else for not wanting biological men to use women's restrooms with your daughters, which is, I'm being told at this point, happening in schools in Charleston County and in a couple of other counties in South Carolina. And we are looking into that. So stay tuned. The city of Charleston has now decided that all the public bathrooms for women must allow men in wigs in there to use them. So they're doing it, right? But yeah, you're you're a bigot and a transphobe or whatever else for not wanting men to use the women's restrooms with your daughters or wanting to keep men from competing in women's sports. But like in Loudoun County, Virginia, God forbid, a girl was raped in the bathroom at a school by a boy who pretended to be a girl. And the administration and the school district did everything they could to hide that it happened to the point where they moved the kid, the boy, to another school. And it happened again to another girl. By the same boy pretending to be a girl, okay? And the father of one of those girls gets arrested for trying to tell the world what happened at a school board meeting. They drug him out and arrested him and then labeled him a terrorist. The Department of Justice. The, the father was literally named in that document by Joe Biden's Department of Justice uh, that we're calling... Parents, domestic terrorists, the father of a girl raped by a dude who pretended to be a girl was not allowed to tell anyone that it was happening. And when he tried to, he was arrested and called a domestic terrorist because the only option that the left has when it comes to debate and the marketplace of ideas is to stamp out and censor their opposition. Because the points and beliefs that the left holds are becoming more and more indefensible and absurd by the day. This makes it really hard for them to argue on the merits of those ideas and ideologies. So they browbeat, they call you names, they try to cancel you, they literally censor you, and then they paint you as the bad guy using the media to help them. And they use the legal system because they have institutional power. And they are not afraid to use it like we are. And we talked about that last week. And that's exactly what the ACLU is doing right now in Pickens. They lost the fight. We won the fight. So now they're using lawfare to scare the school board into relinquishing the power that the voters gave them to make decisions like this. Decisions like, what will the kids in this county be taught? It's the school board 
the school board has final say. When a book is challenged, the school board has final say on whether or not it will remain. And they made that decision. They were voted into office to make that decision. They made it, but the ACLU and these leftist activists, well, that's not good enough for them. Democracy is only at stake if they aren't getting their way. You see, democracy, and that's a term they use, but our representatives made a decision for us based on the public reaching out and telling them what they wanted. They made the decision. They were elected to make these decisions. It should be over. But the ACLU wants to chip away at our representative republic and they want mob justice and fear tactics and revolutionary tactics to replace our representative republic. I'm worried it'll work, especially if we don't stand strong and together against these types of tactics. It's something to keep an eye on. And you can learn more about this uh, by going to our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Overton Report, and just search in the keyword Pickens, and you'll see uh, videos that we did about all of this at the time it was initially happening. Uh, and I'll link them in our Substack when we release this broadcast there as well. It's a very, very concerning issue. Uh, and the ACLU is using bully tactics like this throughout the state right now in various school boards. Um, it's, a, it's a war. It's a war for the hearts and the minds of the youth. And they will stop at nothing to propagandize these kids. They will stop at nothing. So moving on. So did you see the town hall with Donald Trump last week on CNN? It was wild. And he really nailed it. He he nailed it. And you know, a, a lot of people have been worried about Trump running again. I haven't. I like it. I, I want to see him win. Uh, I, I think that, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Uh, compare... Compare the world and the country today to 2018, 2019. I mean, we are on the brink of World War III because the Democrats and the leftists and uh, and Joe Biden in particular. Um, and the, the you know the scary thing is you you really just don't know who's actually in control of the country with somebody like Joe Biden in office. Because it's not him, right? He's not the one getting the final say on anything. I don't even think they let him choose which flavor ice cream he gets. I really don't. So you really don't know which shadowy bureaucrat or cabinet member is actually calling the shots. And that's why you see the United States just crippled. Because there's no coherent person making decisions it's a bunch of competing interests behind the line uh in uh, behind a closed door you know jockeying for position and fighting for power on behalf of their own bureaucracy or their own uh their own interests so it's no small thing to to have a a good strong leader who's not afraid 
to get their hands dirty and make the hard decisions. And if there's one thing that the Democrat establishment never does, it's make decisions. All they do is equivocate and try and kick the can down the road at any given moment. But but I have heard criticism about Trump. You know, he's, he's too hot-headed. Uh, he attacks people too much for no reason, blah, blah, blah. But that's not what we saw on CNN. What we saw... At the, at the town hall was, was a calculated, well-reasoned man making very good, concise arguments in a, in a relatively calm way. He killed it. He showed, he showed his best side, I think. Uh, and he still got jabs in, of course, but they were, they were not jabs that some would say crossed the line, right? I mean, of course... CNN is going to is going to say that but they're going to say that no matter what. It, it doesn't matter what he did, they would have still, you know, claimed that he's destroying democracy. <laughs> uh, like I said earlier, it's just it's only destroying democracy when they lose, you know. That's the only time when they're not when the left isn't getting their way, the democratic process is destroying democracy. <laughs> it's so crazy. But what I see is someone who's perfected his abilities as a politician, to be honest. And uh, and CNN seemed to think the same thing I thought because they didn't like how likable he was coming off. So they ended the town hall a half hour early and spent the next 48 hours apologizing to their viewers for letting him on the network. Here, listen to what Anderson Cooper said. Good evening. Before we begin with tonight's broadcast, I want to say something about what we witnessed at last night's town hall. Many of you have expressed deep anger and disappointment. Many of you are upset that someone who attempted to destroy our democracy was invited to sit on a stage in front of a crowd of Republican voters to answer questions and predictably continued to spew lie after lie after lie. And I get it. It was disturbing. It was disturbing to see and hear that person refer to a black law enforcement officer as a thug, an adjective he used many times to describe black men, and call Caitlin Collins, the moderator, nasty, which is what he calls any woman who stands up to him. It was disturbing to hear him speak so highly of QAnon conspirators and insurrectionists who assaulted police officers in our democracy on January 6th. And it was awful to hear him spread ridiculous lies about the election. And it was certainly disturbing to hear that audience, young and old, our fellow citizens, people who love their kids and go to church, laugh and applaud his lies and his continued defamation of a woman who, according to a jury of his peers, he sexually abused and defamed. As good a job as Caitlin Collins did trying to fact-check him, it is impossible to fact-check fully because he lies so shamelessly. Now, many of you think CNN shouldn't have given him any platform to speak, and I understand the anger about that, giving him the audience, the time, I get that. But this is what I also get. The man you were so disturbed to see and hear from last night, that man is the front-runner for the Republican nomination for president. And according to polling, no other Republican is even close that man you were so upset to hear from last night, he may be president of the United States in less than two years. And that audience that upset you, that's a sampling of about half the country. They are your family members, your neighbors, and they are voting. And many said they're voting for him. Now, maybe you haven't been paying attention to him since he left office. Maybe you've been enjoying not hearing from him, thinking it can't happen again. Some investigation is going to stop him. Well, it hasn't so far. So if last night showed anything, it showed it can happen again. It is happening again. He hasn't changed, and he is running hard. 
You have every right to be outraged today and angry and never watch this network again. But do you think staying in your silo and only listening to people you agree with is going to make that person go away? If we all only listen to those we agree with, it may actually do the opposite. If lies are allowed to go unchecked, as imperfect as our ability to check them is on a stage in real time, those lies continue and those lies spread. If you're angry or upset, I understand, but you have the power to do something about it. You can actually get involved. You can make a difference, whatever side of the aisle you're on. After last night, none of us can say, I didn't know what's out there. I didn't know what's coming. The doom and gloom in his in his voice and in his inflections is is hilarious to me. I'm so sorry. I know people. Why would we give such a such a Nazi a platform? It's insane. It's so crazy. It's like they don't even hear themselves. They're so used to their echo chamber. But I bet you, I bet that that was the best ratings that CNN has seen since January 7th, 2021. Speaking of that, actually, listen to this clip of Donald Trump on uh, at that town hall when, when they were trying to pin January 6th and the worst aspects of it on him. Listen to this. The influence you have over your voters, it's very clear that you are very influential over them. You have a lot of impact. I've been to many of your rallies and seen it up close, which raised a lot of questions about the influence that we saw that you had on them on January 6th and your supporters when they attacked the Capitol. Do you have any regrets about your actions on January 6th? Well, you know, uh, January 6th was, again, we go back to it, but January 6th had to do with the fact that hundreds of thousands of people, and you don't see the pictures very often, a lot of the people here probably were there. January 6th, it was the largest crowd I've ever spoken to. That was prior to the walk down to the Capitol building. I don't think, and I've spoken to hundreds of thousands of people, I've never spoken to a crowd as large as this. And that was because they thought the election was rigged. And they were there proud. They were there with love in their heart. That was an unbelievable, and it was a beautiful day. And what I was asked to do, I wasn't involved in it very much. I was asked to come in, would I make a speech? I made a speech. I said, walk peacefully and patriotically, you know, many different things. In fact, I brought a list of things. I don't want to bore the audience, but we can go sentence after sentence after sentence of things I said and things I put out. Uh, one of the big problems was that Nancy Pelosi, Crazy Nancy, as I affectionately call her, <laughs> Crazy Nancy Pelosi and the mayor of Washington were in charge, as you know, of security. And they They're did not, not do their the job. They're not in charge of the National Guard. You're in charge of the National Guard. Well, I offered them National Guard. I said, we'll give you soldiers, we'll give you National Guard, we'll give you whatever you want. And they turned me down. You're and in fact, she secretary. turned me down. She tur- excuse me, she turned me down in writing. They turned me down. But your acting defense secretary, Chris Miller, at the time, he says you never gave a formal order to, to deploy the National Guard. But when it Excuse came me, to that day... just the opposite. Chris tes- Miller wrote a book, and he's a fantastic guy, and he was ready to go. They turned him down. If you look, the mayor of Washington, D.C., lovely lady, she said, we don't want it. We don't like the look. Nancy Pelosi said, oh, we don't like the look. If they would have had just... I offered them 10,000 soldiers. I said... It could be 10, it could be more, but I offered them specifically 10,000 soldiers. If they would have taken 500 soldiers, you wouldn't have had the problem. 
they turned it down. And if you look at the Inspector General report, he says they turned it down. They made a terrible mistake. Well, Chris Miller was your acting defense secretary. He says you never gave that order. But back to what happened on that day. He you said did you not weren't, say that. You, he has testified that, Mr. He President. He did not say that. But you said you weren't very involved that day. You did tell your supporters to come to Washington. You tweeted about it, about true, that speech that happened on the rally. Am I so allowed when to they, say that? When they went to the Capitol and they were breaking into the Capitol, smashing windows, injuring police officers, why did, you, why did it take you three hours to tell them to go home? I don't believe it did. Oh, let me pull it out. I have to pull it out. <laughs> so, so if you look at on January 5th, the day before, I said, please support our Capitol Police and law enforcement. They are truly on the side of our country. Stay peaceful. Stay peaceful. This was the day before, and this was in the form of Twitter. Now I use truth. Truth Social, I think it's far superior, okay? I hope everybody's on <laughs> I hope everybody's on truth. Uh, if you look, January 6th, this is at 2, before 2.30. I am asking for everyone at the U.S. Capitol to remain peaceful. This is right after, as it was happening. But what happened is they took it down. I don't know why. I think they took it down because it was so good. They didn't like it being up there. <laughs> I am asking, this is, and we didn't know until I got it back, because now I have 90 million people waiting for me to go back, but I'm on truth, and I'm staying on truth. Listen, I am asking for everyone at the U.S. Capitol to remain peaceful. No violation. It's, we want no violation. We want no violence. Remember, we are the party of law and order. Respect the law and our great men and women in blue. Thank you. That was at 2.30. That was very early. Mr. President, I looked at the same timeline that you did. Once no, I know, but you clear, didn't report that. You know why? Because it was we taken down. We did report down. it. I, I was reporting that It was that taken day. down, and it wasn't... But when it was down. clear to you that they were not being peaceful, you saw them rushing the Capitol, breaking windows, they were hitting officers with flagpoles, tasing them, beating them up. When it was clear they weren't being peaceful, why did you wait three hours to tell them to leave the Capitol? They listened to you yeah. like no one else. You know that. They do. I agree with that. But so why Nancy, didn't you Pelosi, tell them to go Nancy Pelosi and the mayor are in charge. I assume they were able to do their job. They weren't. But and Pelosi's not in. in charge of Capitol security. And if you security. remember, I made a video right outside the Oval Office in the Rose Garden. And I'm very proud of that video. I didn't have a script. I don't need scripts like a certain person that's in well, there what right time, now. The, the video, it, it came out much later after they had already that's attacked right, the yeah. Capitol. It was a great video. And it was a beautiful video. And it said, I mean, I don't want to read it all, but you have, you have to go home now. We have to have peace. We have to have law and order. We have to respect our great people of law and order. We love the people of law and order. We can't play into the hands of these other people. We have to have peace. Please go home. He brought receipts. <laughs> That's the best part for me. You, uh, you didn't see it. You're listening to this. But, uh, but here's the deal. The left and, and mainstream media have been saying since the beginning that Trump encouraged the worst aspects of January 6th. Uh, and they've, they've said, like, oh, he didn't stop it. He didn't try to prevent it. But Trump fought back on that because they, they tried to do that again to him at the town hall, as you just heard. And he fought back. He pulled a packet out of his pocket, showed timestamps of, of statements and tweets and videos, statements that he had made leading up to January 6th and on January 6th. Uh, these, are of course, are videos and tweets and 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 statements that were 
censored almost instantly by social media for some reason. And uh, their statements and, and uh, their statements that the mainstream media has completely omitted from all of their reports ever since. And he proved to the CNN audience what so many of us already knew, that the media has done nothing but lie and mislead the public about the events of that day. The same way that they lied about Russia collusion, the same way that they've misled and lied about Hunter's laptop and shady overseas business dealings with Chinese communists and Ukrainian uh, cronies. The same way they're currently trying to mislead the public when they try and deny that the entire Biden crime family has been receiving money from foreign governments and adversarial states. And the same way they're lying through omission right now when it comes to Joe Biden selling access and policy decisions to foreign governments when he was the vice president. A literal traitor and all they can do is say orange man bad still. Well, that's not all they can do. They also run interference for Biden, censor the truth, like we talked about earlier. They do it on every level. And they do everything they can to deflect Biden's own crimes against our nation by pretending Trump is the one who's committed them. They do that and they hope and pray that their base, filled with useful idiots, doesn't figure out the truth. And make no mistake, if they can't convince people of Biden's innocence, they're just as happy to, to cause as much confusion and chaos as possible. Chaos is good for the media and for the people in power because it gives them an opportunity to consolidate that power while the rest of the country is distracted trying to sift through all of their fake news and bullshit for the truth. Agents of chaos are dangerous. And there's a lot of them out there. There's no doubt about it. And I wish there was an easy way to get the information about Biden's treasonous actions out to the majority of citizens. But fact of the matter is that the majority of citizens, they don't really, they don't really pay attention to this stuff like people like you or me do. They really don't. And at the same time, you know, anything, anything that they come across they just happen to come across through an algorithm or through a tiktok video and god knows those are geared to mislead the public too on behalf of leftists communists elitists globalists <laughs> and it seems like the globalists and the elites have done a great job perfecting this system of compartmentalizing information Using AI and al algorithms on social media and media in general, that's played a very large role in this. Yikes. But Trump did do a great job at that town hall. He wiped the floor with CNN, and I am shocked that they let him on, uh, that, he, that they let him on that program because he, he really showed his best side, and they were not expecting that. And uh, you can see... Uh, I'm going to play you this clip after the town hall, after they ended the town hall early, they got some of the people that were in uh, the audience and they, they asked them some questions. Listen to this because this is hilarious. He has lied about the 2020 election, stuffed ballot boxes. It's all made up. He's lost dozens of court cases. Does it bother you that he keeps talking about 2020 and not 2024. I'll ask you first. This is Jonathan Leslie. He's 40, Republican, voted for Trump twice. How do you feel about those lies? 
So I feel like part of it's also the media narrative, as you guys asked him the first question at the town hall about the 2020 election, rather than current stuff. So don't you think he could say it's time for me to start talking about 2024 and not lies that aren't true? Couldn't the media ask him a question about 2024? Well, there were questions, but you're right. That was the first thing, but that's something that was on our mind. And that's why I was asked first. Mike McLaughlin. So, yeah, and, and that guy is so right. The man asked him, oh, is Trump going to stop talking about 2020? And it's like, that's literally what your question was. You asked him about 2020. What do you expect him to do? And this is the left. That's, that's what they do. Gaslight, gaslight, gaslight. They ask him a question about it. And, and, and that's everything that the Democrats and mainstream media want to talk about anyway. They only want to talk about the 2020 election because they think that they have that story tied up in a nice little bow. Uh, and they do when it comes to their usual uh, viewers and, and readers like with the New York Times. Those people, I don't know how they can ignore what they saw with their own eyes. I mean, like Trump said, government cameras picking up people just stuffing ballots day after day after day into ballot boxes. I don't I don't get this whole fight against making elections secure. I don't understand why anybody can really argue against making elections secure in good faith unless you want to cheat. Unless your goal is to undermine the will of the people of your nation. Then of course you put that you put that little piece of data in the mix and it suddenly makes a lot of sense why you would fight against secure elections and that's what that's what they're doing anyway we're we're all going to need to keep a very sharp eye on that uh on that issue the issue of election fraud and uh shoring up and uh ensuring a more secure election process that is right up there with the education issue as far as i'm concerned as as two of the most important things facing our nation because the election secure elections that has everything to do with who runs the country and the education system has everything to do with who will run the country you see what i mean so those two issues really are the most important things in in modern American politics, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, of course, Biden starting World War Three is constant is constantly on the back of my mind as well. But as far as domestic domestic issues, those are the two for sure. Now, I don't want to talk too much about the the upcoming SCGOP reorg. Uh, most people who have talked to me, uh, at, at, at any length know my feelings about the SCGOP, um, and county GOPs in general. I mean, it's, it's a big fundraising organization. Okay. Uh, they don't pick who's running in the primaries. They're there to sort of, to an extent, hold elected Republicans accountable, and they're there to help fund and push Republicans into office over Democrats. And that's it. They raise money and 
They can censure people, but that doesn't really do much. I mean, nobody's ever made, nobody's ever based their vote or lack of vote on some county GOP censuring an elected, a sitting elected official. That's, that's never the deciding factor for anybody. Other organizations, other conservative organizations do a much better job uh, following the, the sitting elected officials and and judging their votes based on very specific criteria. And all of those conservative organizations are under the umbrella of the Republican Party. I mean, not all of them, but many of them. And, and the SCGOP is not an activist group in that sense. I'm an activist. And I, I believe that auxiliary groups are much more effective in getting a conservative candidate into a primary. And that's really what it's all about. Because the way that we win is by getting conservative candidates into the primaries and pushing them over the edge. And then the SCGOP and the county GOP, whatever group, they have to back them. And if they don't, if they start helping their Democrat opponent or something to that effect, then we've got a problem when that happens. And we've seen that happen in some places. We've got a problem when that happens. But I just, every two years when reorg happens, everybody takes their eye off the ball. We just had elections. And instead of taking those 2022 elections, the midterms, and looking into what what was done right, what was done wrong, what we can do better, uh, instead of doing that and building alliances, we go right into reorg every two years. And it's just a a free for all of who's going to be in charge of the fundraising, who's going to be the fundraiser in chief. And then it turns into this super weird intra party factional fight. And I hate that. I, I, you know, I don't think it's conducive I don't think it's conducive to winning elections at all. The The way that it's playing out, the way that it has played out over the past four or five years has been very counterproductive to uh, building coalitions of conservatives to get out there and get real stuff done. It's chaos. A lot of chaos agents are involved and I hate I hate it. I am not a fan of it, so I don't really like to to do much about it uh, or do much with it. But I know that recently, you know, Drew McKissick. I, I, I'm not I'm not a fan of Drew McKissick. I don't think that many people are when it really comes down to it. But again, I mean, it's not as if the SEGOP writes laws or passes laws. Or picks candidates. I and I've I rack my brain often trying to think of any time that I've ever been trying to accomplish something and I thought to myself, oh, you know who could help me with this? The county GOP group or the state party. That's not what they're there for. They're not activists. They're not there to push issues. I, I don't know, man. It's just it seems like much ado about not that much, if you get my drift. So you see, to see years long friendships just in to see the backstabbing and the 
the back room dealing that's going on and and everybody claiming transparency, but then doing the exact same thing that they complain about happens on the other side. All of these these factional cracks that just cause nothing but discord and disunion. It, I don't know, man. It's not conducive. So what I like to do is let y'all duke it out. Y'all duke it out. Y'all decide who's going to be the fundraiser in chief. And we'll just keep doing what we do and pushing for conservative legislation and pushing for conservative issues and vetting conservative candidates to go and help them win their primaries. So then their county GOP or the, and the state GOP, no matter who's in charge of it, will be pushing the winner of that primary over the finish line against a Democrat, because that's what I'm here for. I'm here to beat Democrats, and I'm here to call out fake Republicans, absolutely, but you have to see how somebody is, uh, somebody acts in the legislature um, to do that, you know? <laughs> I'm more concerned about the people that write our laws. We will see how that all works out, though. I know uh, right now, I think there are five candidates actually running, Drew McKissick, and of course, uh, and Jeff Davis with the, the My SC GOP candidate and Zoe Warren. Those are really the three front runners. And Zoe was supposed to be the My SC GOP candidate, but there was some non anonymous vote meeting between My SC GOP people at like 4 p.m. one day and they chose Jeff, but there was no, I don't know. Y'all have to ask Zoe about that. He's, you know, it seems to me like backroom deals, the same type of backroom deals that everybody, uh, pretends that they hate until they have power. And suddenly they become the exact same person that they were railing against so much for statesmen, but it's a big mess. And I would suggest to people out there that no matter what happens here and who becomes the uh, fundraiser in chief that we quickly, quickly move on. And this is exactly what I said the last time when Lynn Wood and Drew McKissick were running. I gave a speech at the Rifle Club where Lynn Wood was speaking after me. And this is almost exactly what I said then. That no matter what happens, I hope that we can just push it to the side and keep moving forward in solution oriented uh, in a solution oriented direction because it's it's sad but I can already predict now that if it doesn't turn out the way a certain person wants it to turn out then there's going to be claims of fraud and all of these things and this is this isn't like a uh, this isn't like a presidential election or any other type of uh, like a, a congressional election where you don't know how many people are going to go and, and show up to vote, right? So you can't like ballot stuff. It's not like if there are a thousand people that are supposed to vote, you're going to get a thousand votes. And if there's like 1,250 votes when there's only supposed to be a thousand, then you know something's up, right? So that's not the way that these types of the, the conventions and, and things like that, that's not the way that they go. You can't. 
it's not as easy as just you can't just stuff ballots and it's fraud. That's not how it works. So I really hope that we can move move forward after whatever happens happens at this election for the fundraiser in chief. Because it's, one, it's not that important. Two, I guess it's important to people if they really, really, really love money. And 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 three, we really have to keep pushing for conservatives. And I think that activists and grassroots folks are the the, the ones who can really accomplish that goal. And I don't think uh, I, I am actually grateful that the state party doesn't play a big role in picking the people running in the primary. You know, I'm, I'm the, the less they're involved in that process, the better as far as I'm concerned. So I don't know. I don't know, man. I guess we'll see what happens. It's in uh, it's five days from now, so it's this coming weekend, and uh, it's shaping up to be either a really fun day or a disaster, I guess, depending on the way you uh, the way you look at things. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. My name's Corey Allen. Of course, this is the Overton Report, and you can find us uh, on Big Patriot Radio, 6 p.m. every Monday. That's at BigPatriotRadio.com. You can actually put BigPatriotRadio.com on your home screen and uh, just listen throughout the day. There's there's news updates, uh, classic rock, country, good music, and uh, and really good shows in the evenings, including mine. But every evening there's a there's a good show. So you can also find us at TheOvertonReport.substack.com. We are working on some a couple of exposés that are going to come out exclusively there, so you definitely want to go ahead and uh, sign up for a subscription there and be the first to know because there's it's, it's big, big stuff, guys. Big, big stuff. I appreciate you joining me and listening to me kind of ramble on about our fight against the left, and I, I really do appreciate you joining us in that fight. Just don't give up. Because the, when it seems like it's getting the hardest, that's when you're moments away from a win. Just remember that. Again, my name's Corey Allen, and this has been The Overton Report. <laughs>